Okay, so it's been a while, but I still want to look at the book Chobot Olavavot, The Duties of the Heart, in the Shara Bechina, the um, requirement to examine the world, to be contemplating the wonders and miracles of our everyday existence, which are not so ordinary. So the fourth chapter in Chobot Olavavot. So he says, There are seven basic qualities of wisdom found in the creation. So it's very interesting, by the way, the Rav is using the word Chachma. The verse is saying, Everything is made with wisdom. Wisdom we're always talking about is that original seed of all possibility. And from one unified plan, of wisdom, everything is coming forth. So everything is made with wisdom. One of the, the, the first category of looking at the wisdom of the world is to contemplate the four basic elements, the four ethereal elements that we've been talking about so much. And I might just kind of read into the words of the Rabbeinah Bechayeh here because I know that he was a student of the Ramban and the Ramban <coughs> is then bringing from the Ramban based on earlier recordings we were talking about the ethereal elements, the Asoto of earth, air, fire, water, that um, basically everything is in that we see is some particular mixing together of the four ethereal elements such that we've never seen pure fire, pure water, pure air, etc. It's always even some mixture of water and fire, some mixture of fire and water that we see. Because anything that's conglomerating or congealing in this world is already some mixture of ethereal elements presenting as the mixture together, putting forth objects. And so one of the things we can meditate on is the wisdom of how the Creator is installing in ethereal space of possibility and the four ethereal elements all objects that they could possibly give birth to, like a mother giving birth to a child. That he's quoting a verse in Job, Eov chapter 38, that one of the amazing miracles of the Creator is that the Everything is placed in its boundary. The ocean is placed in its boundary. It doesn't cross its boundary. I mean, sometimes it does, and there's a tsunami, God forbid, there's flooding. But this, in general, is a, is a general um, meditation. In general, that everything is keeping its boundary. Everything is staying within the metaphysical boundaries that um, are defining its existence, and things are staying intact as what they are. We don't have... Oh, too bad, today my car morphed into a house. Too bad, my uh, pet turtle morphed into, a, morphed into some, uh, you know, dragon. I mean, you know, things are staying uh, the way they are. So that's one, that's a sign of wisdom, though. That the verse is saying in Tehillim chapter 119 that forever, Hashem, your word stands firm in the heavens and your laws are established on the earth. Everything is your servant. Everything all the time is constantly obeying 
the word of the creator to continue to exist in the normal uh, boundaries established for each creation, which we get so used to it, we get so numb to the amazing laws that are governing all of our world because we just we just get used to it. But but everything around us is really just so fantastic and interesting, just the properties that are keeping everything in their form and their color and like what is all this you know and and how what are these shapes and how do they stay in their shapes and it's just it really is all very fascinating okay that's all category one is to contemplate on the basic underpinnings and structures and laws of our world that everything is hanging together and everything is a consistent system working together. And that's a contemplation that we are required to think about from time to time. Interestingly, he doesn't give us like, okay, think about this at night, think about this in the morning, but at least we're thinking about it now. And I imagine even just learning the safer and doing a bit of the contemplation, it becomes a habitual thought. Like instead of a worry or instead of a negative thing, we're thinking instead today, for this minute, I could be occupying my thought with, "Wow, let me contemplate this beautiful creation." Because you can only think one—you can only think one thought at a time. So you might as well be thinking a nice, pleasant thought of, "Wow, look at this creation." The second major contemplation now is going straight from the super general to the super particular to man as he is a small world. And the Rav here is doing something amazing, which is something very, very deep, which I want to explore in some other recordings. But that man, he says, is the small world and through him is the, is the completion of the orders of the world. And we know this basically the Torah is making it clear that man is the last creation and King David says in Psalm 119 you formed me first in thought but last in deed and the the, the uh, Sadiqim are saying that man is like the seal, the stamp of the creation there's all these orders of creation as the Rav is explicitly saying here that he is the Hashlamat Sidreya Olam, man is the culmination of the orders of the universe and that's the deepest thing and really probably we should go ahead and start learning inside of this safer I picked up um, so I'll do that in a second so what does that mean okay you know what I'll just read to you what the Vilna Gaon says so this is in a beautiful safer that I picked up from a friend Rabbi Yitzchak Warbin in Togo Hills and this is a really beautiful safer, a collection of writings from the Ramchals, the Tzadik, that great Tzadik, the greatest, one of the greatest ever. I visited his, his grave once in Tveria in Israel, and I visited many graves on that. This, you know, we were visiting on a tour at different Kibrit Tzadikim. Saw Rabbi Yonatan and Uziel, the Targum Yonasan, and Rabbi, Rabbi uh, Meir, Balanes, like, but for some reason at the Ramchal's Kever, I had this huge burst of electricity. Um, I had been learning his books a lot, I guess, and I feel a very special attachment and affinity to the Ramchal. Um, so he says in this Seder called Sukkot Shalom, which is a collection of writings on the Shrina, this is actually brought in the name of the building of On. 
The Vilna Gaon says in his commentary on the Tikkun Ezor Chadash, "V'chol Sfira she'chol Sfira nechlalos mitesha Sfiros v'hi yashchin aseris lechol Sfira v'nechlalos mechol mitesha Sfiros." So in Kabbalistic terminology, we say that every basic energy called a Sfira, which these Sfirot are infinitely, recursively repeating within themselves, such that we we've seen from many different sources at this point. Then when we talk about the Sfirot. Yeah, there's 10 basic spherot, but there's 10 inside of 10 inside of 10 inside of 10, and all of them in an infinite hallway of repetition. So really, there are as many spherot, so to speak, as there are possible expressions of free will in this world. There, there's a sphera for every word you've ever said. There's a sphera or combination of spherot for every word you've ever said, for every little twitch or move you've ever made, and for everything that's ever happened. Those are all being governed by so many spherot. So anyway, in this system, each sphera is containing nine other ones, including itself, and the tenth sphera in every system of ten inside of ten is the malchut. And then the idea of the malchut in each sphera is, and I've spoken about this before, but like, let's give an example. So... Um, Let's talk about how ideas are communicated in words. So when you're speaking about something, what you're doing is that there are so many different concepts, mental, intellectual concepts, that you are causing those concepts to weave and twist together, like twisting together a thread and then threading together many threads to give forth a garment of expression. So a person's talking about... um, uh, giving charity so we're we're bringing in the the concepts of a positive good deed we're bringing in the concept of a person's commanded to give charity so the concept of being commanded to do something by the creator is a general category the concept of compassion is another concept or category the concept of balance and giving one's charity when you, then you're talking about the category of math. How do you calculate the percentages? The category of in what situations do or you not give tzedakah. So that's a whole other category of the general category of when or when not to do a certain commandment. These are all general categories. And when you say, generally a person should give 10% of their tzedakah as a commandment, but if you can swing it, you can try to go up to 20% but you should give charity to those closest to you in your town before you go ahead and give it to uh, somebody from another town. So when you're saying all these things, you're tying together so many categories and concepts. So those categories and concepts that ultimately spin together and weave together in the formulation of these particular minutiae and the details of the laws of tzedakah, so each of these particular concepts have their own malchut. They have their own possibility of communicating with other concepts in order to give over a different concept because the same concept of when or when not to do a positive commandment can be in communication with a different set of concepts so we say there's times when to give tzedakah and times when not to give tzedakah there are also times when to sit in a sukkah and when not to sit in a sukkah on sukkot we sit in a sukkah but you shouldn't sit in the sukkah when it's pouring rain because then it's just Hashem doesn't want us to be uncomfortable getting pouring wet. And that's the case in the Gemara. So that same concept of when or when not to do a positive commandment is now being 
used as a concept in a different schema of other concepts communicating a different law of when or when not to sit in a sukkah versus when or when not to give tzedakah. So the concept of when or when not to do a, gen- a positive commandment, which is a general concept, is a puzzle piece or an element uh, in concept, in language and communication, that is a free agent piece that can be used together with other concepts to formulate different laws or statements. So that's the concept of a particular uh, energy of malchut within like other different spherot. So like the sphero, so to speak, of the general concept of do or do not do a certain positive commandment has its own particular malchut, which is then going to mix together with the other qualities of malchut, which is with the other qualities of expression, with different concepts depending on what law you're talking about. Uh, and that's just in the example of speaking about halacha. All right. And then what happens is all those malchiot, all those particular possibilities of this concept uh, communicating with other concepts and this concept communicating with other concepts, they're all swirling together. And then the actual thing you say is like a mixture of all these malchiot, all these aspects of the possibility of communication. They're all then synthesizing together. And out you say, you sit in the sukkah when it's, not raining, but you don't sit in the sukkah when it's pouring raining and it's extremely uncomfortable on the holiday of Sukkot. And when you say that law, what that's actually doing is it's um, so many particular possibilities of expression synthesizing together into one final expression. Okay. And now this is a very, very deep thing. That when you work at, when you look at the word Adam, man, when you say it in Misbarkatan, where instead of counting the final nem as a 40, you just count it as a four. Misbarkatan is that anything that might be 40 or 400 or 50 or 500, you take off the zeros and you just make it the small number. So Aleph for Adam is one. Dalit for Adam is four is five, right? One plus four is five. And then the final nem we say is just four, not 40. So five plus four is nine. So Adam, man is representing the concept of nine sphero, which is the deepest thing in the world. Because man, therefore, is the one that's representing pulling down all types of energies, concepts, communications as, as the male energy force of actually bringing down the blessings of Hashem and contributing them to this creation. And vihi demus adam shenichlaos mimeno. But the shrina, that tenth sphera, because Adam is only nine, the tenth sphera in the world is what's called the demus adam, what's called the expression of the adam, that, that malchut, that tenth, the quality of that tenth energy is the synthesis of all the brachot that mankind is bringing down into the world himself. What does this mean? Again, so we'll stop here with the Vilna Gaon, but the Vilna Gaon is echoing right here with the Rav 
uh, Rabbeinu Bechayi is saying is that in another way, all spiritual universes are all like the concept of the nine spherot, <coughs> the concept of all energies, all concepts, or you might call the concept of all genetic strands, <coughs> where there's this thing where all genetic strands and genetic material, each genetic strand, I imagine, has some quality of its capability of communicating with all the other genetic strands. And then when all those communications are happening and all those strands of genetics are communicating together or strands of computer code, all those codes have a possibility within each line of code or each element of code, the possibility of communicating with other lines of code or aspects of code. When they're all finally communicating with each other, the final product is what comes comes out on the screen or the body which is produced by the genetic code. In this case, the Rebbe Nagaon is saying, in Torah tradition, mankind in his body, in his physical embeddedness and embodiment and congealment, exactly where we are and exactly what it is, what that is is the full synthesis, the full communication of all spirituality preceding it, such that the physical world is the ultimate summation and the ultimate <coughs> expression of all the spiritual universes that are mixing in and synthesizing with it. Like the physical world is the cake that comes out of the oven once all the ingredients have been mixed together. The physical world is the ultimate birth of all the spiritual genetic information. So that's why the Rabbi Rabbi Bechai is saying that man is the ultimate completion and culmination in the Gemar Tikkun. (coughs) He's He's the ultimate culmination of all of the orders of creation preceding him. Which means, what we're doing with our free will is that there are so many angels, so many worlds of possibility, so many multiverses. As we spoke about a few weeks ago, that there's a different arrangement of spherot for if a person is going to give $999 to charity versus if he gives only $998 to this charity, it's a whole different configuration of spherot. It's a different world. <clears throat> so all of our choices, down to the very detail and minutia of our choices, is mixing together different <coughs> ingredients, so to speak, of spherot, <coughs> of possible divine blessings. And whatever we're choosing, that's what actually get, comes out of the oven. That's what actually gets baked and created in this world. Now, of course, it doesn't mean that you and I are making all these free will choices and we're just going to keep getting it wrong and the thing is never going <coughs> to come to the fruition of Mashiach because Hashem and His unbelievable genius already ensured that no matter what type of, to what degree we're making wise or poor decisions, the thing is still rigged to finally work out <clears throat> in a way that choice, the way I see choice, <clears throat> is that the world is constantly perfecting itself behind the scenes, and our choices, do we want to be participating in the perfection that it should be revealed in our lives, or is it going to be happening in a hidden way behind the scenes from our lives, where, whereas, we're, whereas, unfortunately, when we're making poor choices in our revealed lives, everything is mamish gehenim. Everything is literally falling apart because we, when we're messing up, um, we are temporarily cut off from reality because we fail to bring down certain spherot. But that doesn't mean that behind the scenes history is still perfecting itself, even though in our revealed reality for those moments, we feel like we're in Gehenna because we actually are. Let's see if you can say that we are. 
<coughs> anyway, God forbid, no one should ever know suffering again. Um, but continuing. <coughs> okay. Hmm. So. The King David is saying in the 8th Psalm, in the Tehillim chapter 8, Hashem, our Master, how great is your name in all of the land. That is the land itself. The physical conglomeration, congealment, and our physical experience, that is the ultimate, <coughs> if we can see it properly, the ultimate revelation and elevation of the name of Hashem because the physical world is like the cake coming out of the oven. It's the ultimate synthesis of so many powerful energies of spirituality which are all encompassed under the general quality of God's name because God's name we know is this ultimate spiritual powerhouse of energy which is like a great tree branching off into all particular energies of blessing and so in any given second the earth itself the land the manifested reality is the ultimate expression of these of God's name, which is branching off into many names, many energies. Okay, the Marpe Lanefesh says on the idea that man is the culmination of all the orders of creation. He says <coughs> that all that was created is culminated in the creation of man. <coughs> because everything is for man's benefit, for him to use it. And man is like the Balabite in this world. Man is like the, the master of the house in this world. Okay, again, so like we can take something pretty abstract that I was saying and then bring it down a little bit more down to earth since it is the fact that human beings can use everything. And we've talked about this before. Human beings can use everything in this world for their benefit. Everything is teaching us something. Everything we can manipulate with language with our hands everything is at our fingertips everything since everything is at our fingertips it's really made for us and it's made for us to be using it every second to be manifesting another creation to bring another cake out of the oven and another cake out of the oven why because we are really have our hands in everything <clears throat> Wow. Wow, look at this. So the, the Rabbeinu B'chai says that man is the beauty of the world. Ah, this gives me chills. So the Marpe Lenefesh, the commentary, says, what does it mean that man is the beauty of the world? He says, because if not for man, the world would be like a midbar shemema, like a desolate wilderness. Now, hold on a second. Maybe we all have this assumption that before man was created... Listen, maybe we have this assumption that before man was created, so there was still the Garden of Eden, and there was maybe beautiful mountains and lakes and, and beautiful animals. So why is the rabbi here saying that when man is called the beauty of the world, if not for man, everything would be like a desolate wilderness? What? No way. Hold on. What about the mountains? What about the beautiful trees? Read the verses carefully. What does the verse say? Once man is, once Hashem is forming man, then he plants a garden in Eden. 
Meaning to say, in the deepest sense, man is truly, truly the manifestor of the world. Because when the Ram is saying that everything would be like a desolate wilderness without man, we're saying that the consciousness of humanity is what's actually pulling possible scenarios, possible worlds, possible environments, possible beautiful landscapes out of ethereal space of desolate non-being, pre-prior being, pre-dimensionality, and bringing it into actual experience. And that's clear from the verses, right? We're always talking about how the Gemara is saying, why is it say that Hashem started planting all the trees and all the, all the vegetation was sprouting out of the ground on the sixth day when man was created, when I thought on the third day Hashem was creating all the vegetation? And the Gemara is saying in its cryptic way, oh, well, all the plants and, and uh, expressions and sprouts, they were takadakarka, they, they were resting beneath the ground, like right there underneath the surface of the ground, waiting for man to come to pray for rain to make them sprout out. But what that is hinting to is the deepest idea in the world, which is that all experiences are really residing in an ethereal space of non-being in only mere potential, waiting for humanity to come and just have consciousness and bring that experience, again, like this analogy of bringing the cake out of the oven, like all the ingredients are there, but we're actually manifesting our reality because we are the beauty of creation, meaning we turn a desolate wilderness of non-being and make it the beautiful scene of a mountain through our consciousness. That the Arizal is saying, Rabbi Nachman is saying, the Siddiquim are saying is that when you look at the item, that's when the item is um, congealing into its boundaries. This is observer participatory reality all the way. Um, he says, Ashlamit, wait, hold on one second. Okay. Okay, what does it mean, by the way, in the Marpel and Nefesh, that man is called the small world? Okay, fine. Um, that just as in the world, he's saying like this, we see in the world, we see in the world all around us that every element in this creation is interdependent on all the other elements. Everything is sharing. Everything is communicating. Everything is interacting with everything else. And that's specifically true in the, in the world of humanity, that all people are totally interdependent on each other. We all need to learn from our parents how to speak, how to act. Every, everybody is learning from everything, everybody else. All our economies. No man is an island. Everybody is interconnected with everyone else, just simply put. And really, in the deeper place, when we talk about how man fits into this creation, he is the ultimate being which is causing all of the creations to really speak together. Like it says in, in many Midrashim that the angels don't sing to Hashem until we sing. We cause the rest of creation to move, to hum. We're like the key 
mankind, you got to look at your, your soul, yourself, as like you're the great key. You're the one turning the engine on all these processes. You're the one causing all of the elements of creation to, to sing together. When the stars of the morning are, are singing together, we're causing the whole creation to, to, to speak. We're, we're like turning everything on. That's really what it is. We're causing everything to interact. The Pas um, Beautiful words from the Pas Lechem. Listen to this. So the Pas Lechem is saying, man is the completion of all the orders of creation because all of the angels and armies and legions of heavenly powers, they are all arranged in perfection in a perfect order perfectly suited for the benefit of man. <clears throat> Every single energy in this entire universe is an arrangement of possible blessings, of possible flows. That's ultimately congealing and expressing in every physical experience we've ever had, but they're all arranged in possibility from before of time. Like they are the, <clears throat> from before time got started, they are like the whole system of code of all possibilities and they're all arranged perfectly to be ready for man to activate them to bring down all sorts of beautiful situations in his life. That listen, this, this is amazing. Hashem is arranging just on a simple level. Hashem is arranging uh, physics and astronomy and all sorts of amazing natural laws that that the earth is perfectly designed in all of its interworkings, that it should perfectly support agricultural seasons. Like, what? Like, really? But, but it is, like, how is it that this huge, vast universe is so perfectly timed to create this earth, which just one basic amazing thing is like, wow, this earth is perfectly set up to support human life and agriculture, and it's just it's amazing. Wow. What it, he's saying in another beautiful way of looking at this, when we say that man is the beauty of creation, he's saying you have this whole, such a beautiful image, you have this whole jewelry, you have this thing and like all the settings are there, but you just need the jewel in the middle of the jewelry to actually make the thing. But if you're missing the jewel, like imagine a ring and it's like all set up and there's all these like amazing designs and crafts surrounding the space where the crown jewel is supposed to go in the ring. The jewel falls out. How ridiculous would it look to be wearing that ring? So that's like what man is. <clears throat> man is like the jewel of creation. Such an amazing, powerful image. It's like blowing my mind right now. Like you got to see yourself and every human being. What it means, we, we say that man is with Selim Elohim. In the image of God, we're saying that man is the crown jewel of the creation because he's the one that is crown he's the one that's the crown jewel in the center of creation that is bringing out the beauty of the rest of the creation which is like surrounding him 
really feeding into him and he's causing all of it to really work and mean anything because it's all just spiritual power set up to serve him and give him blessing and his beauty and enjoyment. You know, it's a huge mitzvah to be happy. It's like the biggest mitzvah to be happy. The Vilna Gaon says it's the hardest mitzvah to always be besimchatami. It's very hard <clears throat> because if something's really hard, it means it's the ultimate purpose. For a person to be able to discipline his mind and discipline all of his activities to be constantly in touch and in tune with the great joy of the fact that he is the jewel of his creation. <clears throat> he, he is like the focal point of everything flowing into him. Yeah, okay. Bechina shlishi shaya olam imala mazoyan bebruim shonim Okay. Okay, one more pas lechem. Alavim mar David Hashem adonenu. Kolomar sheliotcha kare adonenu techa alenu haita kavanatecha bebrias klal olam aydekain nirei simene achachmatcha bechulam. That what was the kavana? What was the reason for the creation of the entire world? Was that man should that sorry that Hashem should be recognized as the ruler over mankind. And through this, the signs of wisdom would be apparent in all of the worlds. I think meaning like this. I think he's going to explain it, but when we follow the will of the Creator, and that's why we're studying halacha with its like vast ocean of seemingly in, infinite minutia in detail of law. Why is that? Because the halacha is the brilliant system of how in every situation a person can be using all of the creative forces around him in the perfect uh, proportions, like using the ingredients and following the recipe perfectly in order to bring out the best result. This is called that by following the halacha, the person is making Hashem his master, but not in the sense of, oh, I'm a slave and I don't mean anything and you're the best, more like an apprentice, like, oh, you are the master creator, you are the master builder of experiences, and I'm going to take your advice, and I'm going to manifest my experience according to these rules that you're recommending to me, as the Zohar is saying, that the mitzvot are 613 eating deraita, 613 wonderful pieces of advice, which are branching off to give advice to every person in every situation that they'll ever find themselves in. So when we make Hashem the master, we're saying we're, we are the apprentice. We trust you that you're the master builder. You're the master creator. When we follow those halachot and things are working out in our lives, and it doesn't mean that they're always comfortable, but it means that we're always happy. Because even through suffering, we are still connecting to that I'm a creation of Hashem. I'm co-creating with Hashem. And that the person we see, that the person following halacha, including through times of suffering, is staying positive, is not giving up, even when it hurts and he's feeling his suffering, he's still realizing that somehow this is constructive. So we see that these are the true successful people. Then the wisdom of the creator is showing through, its, through the creation that through a person following these halachot, through a person following this advice, we are seeing 
how, yes, this creation actually is functioning, and wow, all of its elements are really working together because they're all culminating in this person's fully realized life. And therefore, the wisdom of the Creator through His creation, that we are showing that the cre through our succeeding in this creation, we are showing the supreme functionality of the creation. That because it's all working out for us, even when we're suffering, but we're staying positive. I mean, look, look at the Jewish people in creation. The Jewish people, Israel, is the crown of creation because how is it possible that we are the ones who have survived history? Only through the halacha. Only through the halacha have we survived the traumas of history. Those extreme, intense, violent pit holes of history. We're still standing, we're still being positive. Even though we suffer and we, rec we acknowledge our suffering, but we're showing, hey, we're still making it through. This creation isn't a black hole. This creation isn't a failed mess. It's actually a wise creation. It's actually all point, pull, pushing somewhere perfect. And we are the ones who are bringing out the wisdom of the creation itself through following the halakha, through making Hashem our master builder and us the apprentice. Uh, wow, now the Paslechem is just giving us a nice parish on Natahila, chapter 8, so we should go ahead and take the opportunity. Okay, so he's saying that the, <coughs> very nice, the Paschalachim is saying that if you go and you look in that eighth psalm, in that eighth chapter of Tehillim, that it's really set up, that the Rebbeinah Bechaye is setting up his commentary according to the different um, elements brought in that set, set up Tehillim, that when we look at the heavens and your amazing uh, when we look at Hashem's amazing uh, systems of the constellations and of nature, and we see that man is the culmination, that they're all being prepared for man, go look over there in the 8th Psalm. It's a very fantastic Psalm, Psalm number 8. I'm going to stop the recording over here. Have a beautiful day. Bezer Hashem, I want to keep exploring the Chovah Tulevavot. It's been a while, but I want to keep looking at it. So we're talking about the seven major categories of wisdom. So we spent a long time talking about the first two categories. The first category was just meditating on the wisdom of the structures of the grand creation. And then in the second category of wisdom was meditating on the wisdom of man as the micro world and that he is completing and culminating all those orders of creation within himself. So he is the culmination, so to speak, the final hammer blow, the final signature on the masterpiece which is making everything coordinate and come together we spent a, a lot of time on that so i want to run through the rest of the seven categories
Vashlishi, the third category, Simon of Chachma, Nire, Kabas, Adam, Chuki, Pergufa, Vakoka, Nafsho, or a Seiko, Shiachi, Oto, Bo, Yabori, Vesam, Lobain, Bo, Yitron, Alshar, Hachayim, Shainam, Adapting. The third category is just to meditate on the brilliance and the miracle of human anatomy and physiology. That how we are constructed and conglomerated of so many amazing processes, cells, neurons, neuroplasticity intelligence but again i think just reading a little bit in between the lines kind of how the rav remain of is setting this up i think he's hinting to the fact that again there's a concept that the body itself is as we saw in other sources the hotem kola olamot the signature the seal of all the other worlds and that a person's facial features, his appearance in the physical is ultimately uh, an echoing and a reflection of so many spiritual processes. Like it says that the Kabbalists, they can look into your forehead and see all the things you'd ever done and know all the thoughts you'd ever thought and probably all the thoughts you would ever think as well. So in other words, the physical world itself, a person has the eyes of wisdom that hinted to in a person's palms, right? There are palm readers, of course, they're off the track into the realms of the occult and idolatry, but but there really are, there a person who knows, he can see in the physical structure of a person all the spirituality that is pouring into making the person who they are in their spiritual, constru- and sorry, in their physical construction. So I think that he's hinting to that, that this aspect of another third category of wisdom is coming off the last category. Right, and oh, by the way, here's further proof to, or here's further credence to what what I, why I think he's really saying that, or hinting to that. It says in, in Job, Eov chapter 10, Halo kachalav tachicheni, uchukavina tachivina, or basar talbisheni, that the Rabbeinu Bechai says, and it's strange, like, what are, you, what are you saying here? What is he saying here? You see that man, he says three statements, which they don't seem to go together, so I want to try to understand how they do go together. He says, the third category of wisdom is that man has very amazing anatomy and physiology, his body is a miracle, it's really amazing how it all fits together. And we see that man, the next line he says is, we see that man is like the great universe, and that man is fundamentally like the universe in all of its its elements. And then he quotes the verse that, that Yeo says to Hashem, Hashem, you curdled me like milk and you built me out like cheese, which is and then you you wrap me up and dress me up in flesh and in bones and in sinews, which is just a beautiful image. But there's the image of a child is conceived and then he's like, he's literally congealing. Like literally the verse is saying the way that milk curdles and congeals into cheese is the way that our bodies are congealing and, and, and uh, manifesting in the world. But what does that have to do with that? Oh, man is similar to all the universal structures. Well, where does the universe come from? The universe comes from the spiritual thoughts of the Creator. And why are we talking about how, oh, just like the universe, my body is coming also from the spiritual thoughts of the Creator and manifesting to reflect those spiritual thoughts of the Creator? So it's just that idea that the body itself and its congealment 
and how it ultimately takes form in its brilliant, miraculous physiology and anatomy is itself to reflect so many spiritual processes that are pouring into that almost like it was something coming out of the oven where there were so many spiritual ingredients finally reflecting and here's your body. Okay, Varavis, the fourth category of wisdom. The fourth category of wisdom is to meditate on the brilliant uh, just display of utter creative power and ability in all the animals in the animal kingdom that they're so amazing and there's so much going on. There's such a busy uh, ecology of so many animals and the, the kingdom of life is, is just mamish a miracle and it's beautiful. Um, and but the, specifically, there's so like from every animal species, there's some benefit coming to man. So again, why is the Rebbeinu Chaye saying this now? So he's really creating a flow, and he's saying that yes, man is the culmination and the center of the universe in the sense that there's the, in mankind is the most intense concentration of the spiritual worlds manifesting in something physical. And the rest of the animals that surround him, they are like part of the general context and stage, which is framing that whole experience. And really the fact is that animals are extensions of us because we eat them. We use them for so many things. They're like, we really are like one form of life altogether. And that's a positive thing. It doesn't mean they're our slaves. It means that, that re- they really are extensions of us. So we need to treat, obviously, Torah law is requiring tremendous kindness and respect. You have to feed your animals first. Of course, of course, you can't be cruel to them. If you're going to eat meat, you have to slaughter extremely uh, humanely. And these things. The fifth. The, the fifth category of wisdom is the plant life and their amazing natures and their beauty and, again, all the benefits they bring to us. And then, again, but the Rav is hinting to the fact that it says in the book of Kings, Kings 1, chapter 4, that King Shlomo was so incredibly wise and brilliant that the Midrash is telling us, based on the verse that he was understanding the spiritual root of every organic plant growth, that there's a tradition that in the land of Israel, there's a spot where every plant can be created, and that that spot in Israel where each plant can be created is actually the coordinate, which is corresponding to where those plants are growing out somewhere else. So unfortunately today, the Amazon rainforest is burning up. But the fact is, and it should it should stop soon, but... Um, there is a place in Israel, and King Shlomo knew where, where those types of tropical plants would grow, actually. And actually, the tropical rainforest in the Amazon is getting its nourishment from that specific little location in Israel. That's the tradition. But the point here is, again, the Rav is bringing out that when we focus on plant life as well, we're thinking about how it's expressing the concept of an integrated spiritual system, the way that just as in the land of Israel, that is the integrated spiritual, physical, geographic space from which all plants are coming forth. So in general, plants are an, an integrated system. Okay, 
the sixth category. The sixth category is to meditate on the industry of humanity. How human beings with their great intelligence are able to use all the world around them to build it up and bring out so many technologies like... Can you imagine somebody in the 1800s looking at our technology? They would just be flabbergasted, right? They, they'd be blown away. You know, so it's it's really a miracle to look at this. That the last category of wisdom, the seventh one, is to meditate on the laws of the Torah. That the Torah is giving ultimate completion and shleimut, ultimate completion, to the entire universe. That not only it's not just stam industry. It's not just like okay, people are smart; they can they can use the physical world for their comfort. But what about spiritual? perfection of you know relationships proper relationships between people fairness in business proper family structures how to talk to people how to relate to our souls how to relate to the the amazing divine light that's within us and and make the spiritual be on the same frequency as the physical so that's coming from the torah loss but listen to this next line i love this next line that their nations they don't they don't always have the torah or 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 like a solid spiritual path always but at least they had if they have just laws for them those just laws those fair laws of society, those are their divine, in a sense, those are, are standing in for their Torah, that the fact is that a justly ordered society where people are following principles and axiom of true justice, that's very divine thing, and that is also how divinity is spreading out over those societies as well. Baruch Hashem.